right, we're uh, we're back. It's always a fun transition. Great hour there with Lindy Voppenfjord. I just like saying his name now that I can say it. Voppenfjord. Say it, girls. Yeah, I did. I stumbled over it forever. It's time for our Journey to the Shack segment. Uh, during the month of February, the month of love, we will speak with uh, people whose lives have been deeply and profoundly impacted by the international best-selling book, The Shack. In my opinion, it's one of the best love stories I've ever read. Coming to a theater near you on March 3rd is the major motion picture, The Shack, starring Academy Award winner Octavia Spencer from The Help. And uh, the other thing I can't remember. What is it? Figures. What? Hidden, Hidden Figures. Hidden Figures. Golden Globe nominated. Hit. Oscars, too, I think. There's some stuff going on with that. This, uh, oh, sorry, Sam Worthington's also in it. Hacksaw Ridge, Class of the Titans, and uh, Avatar, and uh, the Flintstones fly again. Ah! Why didn't they? Did, they did one Flintstones movie, didn't they? They did. One Flintstones? Maybe two. One for sure. Your guy was in it. The guy, Rick Moranis. Yeah, Wasn't he Barney? Could have been. Yeah. Remember that? Yes. Because that's how you look like when you Thanks. do your Bob and Doug yeah, thing. It's great. I had to show it. I wish okay. I wish we are we still uh, fa- Facebook live stream? We're still live, okay. <laughs> we're still on video. So you can watch Tim. Tim, go up to the straight up to the camera. Tim's gonna do his Rick Moranis hoser. Your headphones are still on, so don't hurt yourself. How's it going, Tim? It's going great, eh? Like, I love the show, Drew Marshall, best. Right. And we, weren't you in Ghostbusters? Yeah, I was, eh? So, like, nice doggy, nice doggy, nice doggy. <laughs> Such a weirdo. Uh, we have too much fun here. Anyway, uh, the shack, yada, yada, yada. Um, but listen, the story we had last week, uh, incredible, this, this couple is poor. I say poor couple, and it sounds condescending when I say that, but this beautiful couple and they have five kids, and, and uh, one of their kids, uh, um, was she 14 or 16? You, you think I'd remember these facts. 16. 16. Um, she ended up hanging herself, uh, you know, just battling with the darkness, and her, her parents come home, and they enter their, into their great sadness. Uh, next week on our show is a, a pastor from, uh, from the States and an elderly uh, black gentleman who has uh, um, five kids, 25 grandkids, and one of his kids, I think the story is something like, he was supposed to help her with something, and she was supposed to not be staying somewhere, and if he had helped, she wouldn't be staying there, and then she ended up staying at this place, and somebody broke in and murdered her. Oh, jeez. And so he's felt this darkness hang on oh, to him yeah. forever, this guilt, right? But he says the shack really helped him kind of release it, just totally release it. And then finally, we're going to have someone who's on death row sneak an interview with us. Uh, the last Saturday in February. This guy read The Shack, and he's walking around in prison on death row with more freedom than most of us walking outside. Wow. So, incredible stuff. But today, Maggie Malloy joins us on the morning of September 16, 1994, while returning from an early morning cross-country run in her hometown of Galleon, Ohio. Maggie was kidnapped at gunpoint. She was led into a nearby wooded area, bound, raped twice, strangled, buried under some brush for a while, and eventually shot five times and left for dead. She survived this horrific ordeal, but it left her with three bullets permanently lodged in her body, two in her right lung and one in her head. And today, Maggie shares... Uh, how the shack helped her kick at the darkness until it uh, bled daylight. This is a line we keep using from the Bruce Coburn song. Maggie, <laughs> um, thank you for enduring uh, this nonsense of a radio show. How are things in your world? Where are you, by the way? I'm actually, <clears throat> excuse me, an hour north of Columbus, up around the Mansfield area where they filmed Shawshank Redemption. Uh, it's a little town called Beach Cyrus. Huh. And on Tuesday, we had all this snow, and it was 20 degrees, and today it's 50 and green out, so I can't figure it out. That's weird. 
You know what? I take credit for global warming because I'm I live in Canada and uh, I'm sick of the winters, eh? So every Christmas I empty all my aerosol cans. Yeah. Well, I love the winters. Oh, uh, sorry. And I was listening to you guys. You guys need to take the stairs. You know, yeah. forget the elevators. <laughs> I'm a rapid runner. I'm a cyclist, and if you are able bodied you take those stairs. Take the stairs. <laughs> Well, I appreciate your cheek. You know, you've done a bit of speaking. I, I read some newspaper articles on you, and I actually have the letter that you wrote to Paul in my hands because Paul oh, oh. Young, who wrote uh, The Shack, said you've got to get yeah. Maggie Malloy on the show. Um, do you mind if I share that letter, a little bit of that letter, or would you rather I keep I have, that I, private? I have no idea what I wrote to him, but go right ahead. I believe it was an email. Go yeah, ahead. that's right. Hello, Mr. Young. My name is Maggie Malloy. I heard you speak about the shack at Ashland Theological Seminary in Ashland, which is a good place for Ashland Theological Seminary. Uh, though I was one of many, that I was fortunate enough to get to meet you after the event. While signing my book, I kindly referred to you as Sir. You laugh, saying, Sir, I'm not a knight. That sounds like Paul. It's exactly what he would say. I wanted to share some insight that I came across in the shack on pages 173 and 174. At this point in the story, Mac has just seen his kids in the vision and is sitting at the water's edge with Jesus. Mac finally admits that uh, what still bothers him about Missy's passing is the thought of Missy being alone in the truck, terrified. Jesus then goes on to explain how he and God and the Holy Spirit, Sarayu, never left Missy. How at first Missy's fear was so overwhelming how the Trinity had the long truck ride to get her calmed down and relaxed. So I want to stop right there because, Maggie, that's the question everybody, I think, would have in in your story, especially when it comes to God, right? So here's the question. Where the heck was God when you were being raped and shot? How do you answer that? He was there. Um Think of it as a, the small, Galleon is a small town, and think of it as a snow globe. Where Galleon is that something special in the center, and that there's that bubble around it. And as a kid, I thought nothing could penetrate that bubble. You know, nothing bad because nothing bad's going to happen to you, right? Growing up, um, but it all changed that morning when I was kidnapped, and that snow globe shattered. So in my mind, all this glass is flying around, and it was uh, very dark. Um, and just like the book described. Um, of course, I'm very terrified, um, but as, as the light came, and things didn't get better, they were getting worse, but what I couldn't ignore was this, I wouldn't call it a peace, uh, it was more calmness, and just as the light came and and I became more aware of my surroundings, I just trusted in that calmness as it grew bigger and bigger and bigger, and I wasn't even um, saved, if you will, back then. I mean, Jesus and I were buddies, but <laughs> he wasn't driving my life. No, Jesus was your homeboy. Yeah, he was the homeboy, but he wasn't driving. But, um, I, you know, all, of all times in my life, here I am, this horrific experience going on around me, yet there's this calmness flowing all through me. Of all times, there shouldn't be a calmness there, but there was. I didn't know at the time that it was Jesus, but I just trusted in it. And as things got progressively worse, it just grew stronger. And as it grew stronger, I became calmer. Again, not at peace. I was very terrified, but I was calm. I was able to, well, you know, we can't control what all happens around us and to us, but all we can control is how we respond to what's happening. And right. um, I, I just fed off that calmness, and it helped me to stay calm and be able to communicate human to human with my captor. 
And I was, I mean, nothing was funny, but I was even, I remember even laughing a little bit with him. Sure. Well, that, a lot of people would say that's nerves or whatever. People laugh inappropriately at different times because of nerves, right? I guess. Yeah. <laughs> sure. But I, I just, I've never, um, when I read that segment in the book, I, I remember thinking this man being Mr. Young, I, I, he knows something because what that little segment spelled out exactly what it was like for me, you know, Jesus telling Mac, all three of us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we were with her. Took a little while to get her calmed down, and that's true. At very first, I was like, my God, I'm being raped. My God, this is happening to me. And then as things calmed, you know, slowly, kind of like a, think of it as a being in a ship on a choppy sea, and, you know, there's still storming, storm clouds, and it's still storming around you, but you kind of get your bearings a little bit. And um, just when Jesus is saying, you know, we wrapped ourselves around her and she was never alone, so true. Okay, well, hold on. This is where this is where my brain blows up because if anybody, if like a critical thinker or an outsider, right, somebody who's de- maybe an atheist or somebody who's just like a Bill Maher, right? A Bill Maher would say something like this. He'd go, well, that makes then this God that you believe in even sicker because you're saying that God was there, but then he didn't do anything. So what father is going to be present in a situation like that and do nothing? You're getting raped. You're getting... You're getting strength. You're getting kicked. You're getting shot yeah. eventually. Okay, and Dad's watching. Come on. Yeah, he was there. Um, I mean, look what he went through on the cross. I, I can't explain what kind of God would allow things to happen, but I know He's a good God. I I believe that He doesn't cause bad things to happen, but He does allow them to happen. But Unless you've been there, it, you're not going to be able to understand. Uh, he was in. Jesus was in control the entire time. Not me, not my captor. Jesus was in control, and Satan may have come to him and said, "I want to do this to Maggie. I want to do that to Maggie." Hmm. And Jesus would have said, "You can do this. You can do that. You can do this, but you're not going to do this. You're not going to do that." Yes, I was shot, but right before I was shot, I felt the hand of God. I literally heard it come down and stretch over me. And even though I was shot, he still preserved my soul. I mean, have it, even if I would have died, physically died, left my body, he still would have preserved my soul. In right, right. I'll never understand why Jesus allows things to happen as he does. How could you let this happen? It's just, oh, thank God you were there to see me through it. Yeah, yeah. Because it's all to his glory. All to his glory. We're speaking with Maggie Malloy. Um, first of all, Maggie Christine Malloy. That is the most Catholic name I've ever heard in my life. Did you grow up Catholic? <laughs> I, I was raised Catholic, yes. Yeah. I, and um, it was actually supposed to be Maggie Kathleen, but my dad forgot and wrote Christine on the birth certificate. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. It was just a little little too late yeah. at the pub the night before. And, um, so... Yeah. Um, let me ask you the sort of the typical interview questions you may get, which would be, well, maybe they're not typical at all. I don't know. But um, your your attacker uh, is yes. where what is going on with your attacker right now in prison, I hope or not? He is in prison. Uh, he's been in prison for this will be 23 years. Uh, he'll be up for parole this fall. Um, he's long since been forgiven. Um, but I still will do everything in my power to keep him locked up while he's alive but ultimately that's in the lord's hand okay so if he gets out for example this is kind of a strange story here tim you'll be aware of the story up in our neck of the woods the guy who attacked some other person on a bus yes cut his head off yes and then started eating him 
has just been released or is about to be released? About, is going to be released, And yes. has been in prison for, I think, eight years? Yep. So a lot of people are going, what? Like, what is that? And, and well, it was an undiagnosed schizophrenic episode, and we now he's diagnosed. We, he's not going to be a danger to society anymore. So, so Maggie, in your situation, um, yeah. I mean, do you, obviously, you, you, I don't think you could be so lovey-dovey that you'd be thrilled about him getting out. You just said you're going to do everything in your power to keep him in. But... If he ever, but ultimately, if he's released, he's released. I, I'm not a violent person, and I I don't intend to start now. So right. it's it really it sounds cliche, but it's in the Lord's hands. I mean, I'll I'll feel awful for what I, I know he's capable of carrying out on everybody else. I have no fear for myself, but uh, I can only do what I can do. It's it's up to the Lord. What. I mean, you you must have played this through your head, even though this is an impossible question to answer. Do you foresee, and I'll just give the backstory to this question, just last night I watched a TED Talk between an Australian guy and a, like an Icelandic girl, Keep since we just had an Icelandic uh, guitar player on Is the show. Fjord as no, well? <laughs> no. But they they did this beautiful TED, TED Talk where he, they were dating, and he raped her. Mm. And you, now they're doing this TED Talk together about Let's talk about this. Let's move forward with this communication. This is very open, very vulnerable, very fascinating TED Talk. Mm -hmm. And I guess what I'm asking is, do you foresee any any desire to contact him or be in, or like, I don't know. I don't even know what the question is. Other than he's getting yeah. out, what are you going to do? I understand. Uh, no, I, I, I don't hate him anymore. I hate what he's done. Um, but let's be real. Every single one, before we point the finger at him, and I'm not justifying what he's done at all, I'm not. But before we point the finger at him and say how awful he is, are we not all capable of being violent? We are. Yeah. Because we're humans. Um, so the way, I'll, I'll get to your question, but the roundabout way is the way Jesus got me to forgive him was he said, Maggie, cut through everything on the surface that makes you think you're so much better than he is. You know, we're not our hair, we're not our clothes, we're not our bodies. We're not our jobs. He said, when you cut down through it, are you not a soul like him? Do you not sin like him? Do you not need me, Jesus Christ, as much as he does? Did I not go to the cross for everybody? Right. You know, gulp, 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 yes. <laughs> so I <laughs> uh, see him as a soul, whether he's a dark soul or not, is up for the Lord to decide. But um, personally, I have no, there's no need for me to see him. I don't have any desire to see him, and that's not out of hatred. Or anger, but it, it, I think in his mind, uh, it's not about me. The attack was never about me. In his mind, it's um, you know I I regret I got caught. I don't have any remorse for what I've done. Right, right. Okay. It's not about me. It's for him to see me. It's I, I. There's no reason for me to see him. I mean, I I've, I'm at peace with it. Um, I'm at peace with him. I, I don't want him to get out. Right. For the safety of others. Um, but it's ultimately in the Lord's hands. Okay, uh, Maggie, uh, when I read The Shack, mm -hmm. it was a... Have you ever cried so hard that you that snot came out of your nose? Oh, every other page, I believe I was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been a little while since I read it, but I'm sure I'll read it again at some point. But sure. yeah, pretty powerful. 
I'm terrified to read it again because I there's part of me that is afraid it won't have the same impact on me the, the, as it did the first time, and I think you got to be in the right space for it. So here you are with your story reading The Shack. I've gone through nothing like what you've gone through, and I'm thinking, geez, you must have – The Shack would have put you into therapy. <laughs> I um, I absolutely – Shack, just my opinion, people either love The Shack or they hate it or they won't touch it, yeah. um, and that's that's completely their, their choice. I, I love the shack. I, I believe things, people, books, what cross our paths when it's time. Yeah. Um, I, what's been hard for me, um, and I don't know that the shack personally had anything to do with it, was, um, you know, I was in survival mode still when I met the shack. It's not enough to survive something. You truly, truly, if you're going to be made whole, again, you have to heal from it and come forward from the incident or come forward from that great sadness or come forward. I don't mean take a microphone and start talking necessarily, but you have to be made whole Hmm. again. Otherwise we all walk around shattered just like that snow globe. You know, you'll never be the same, but you have to be wanting to be made whole again. And it wasn't until I started my healing journey that I, you know, it was so difficult. Healing's been the hardest undertaking. It's going to take the rest of my life, but, you know, thank the Lord that I, I was awakened, that I needed healing. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. So. Well, okay. Um, I don't know if I should have asked you this beforehand, if you're, if you're okay with this, but because our listeners don't know you, uh, I don't even know you, mm-hmm. and, and because we've just sort of summarized your story, I know you've spoken about your story before. Would you mind taking us through just, I guess, as succinctly as you can, uh, the, the events of that day? Or is that, is that a horrible thing? Like, you're just like, you know what? I don't want to do that. Uh, I'll, I'll touch on it. Um, pretty much like what you read. I, I was a 15-year-old, um, sophomore in high school. Went out for cross-country. Again, take the stairs, boys and girls. You know? <laughs> uh, take the stairs. Get off your butts. Come on. Got it. Um, I went out for cross-country, and um, it was a Friday morning, and we met every morning at the school. You know, Galleon, again, very small, 10, 10 to 12,000 people. That was my little playground, my little snow globe. And um, we met at the school. The girls were supposed to go four miles. I turned back at three miles. Who remembers the Sony Walkman? Oh, yeah, baby. Yep. (laughs) The Sony Walkman. I was listening to uh, Paul Abdul's The Promise of a New Day. That's a great song, great title. And um, I wasn't more than a mile, half mile from the high school, and I was kidnapped um, from behind and basically about 6 30 in the morning so it was pitch black it was in the fall um duration of that morning uh, as you said sexually assaulted twice uh strangled buried under some brush for a time eventually led further back into this field area uh where we ended up behind a department store and eventually i was uh, shot five times and as you had said i have three bullets permanently lodged in my body one in my head and two in my right lung and as a teenage kid you know instead of dealing with pimples and you know, hormones and whatnot. How do you deal with having three bo- three bullets in your body? Well, you give them names. So I like Rice Krispie Treats, so I named them Snap, Crackle, and Pop. No, that's great. Oh, you get a round of applause from the Drew Marshall yeah. Show for that. Yeah. That's fantastic. But those are those are three very lucky bullets. I mean, they're not just slugs in a crime lab. They're a part of my life now. They're a part of my body, and they won't continue on with me to heaven, but I'm very fortunate. It's just we have to make peace with with what we're dealt and and what we're asked to carry yeah but um it's all our lives it's all to god's glory and if he can't use it then it's a complete waste maggie um man 
Thank you. Thank. I know there is so much more could be talked about, but it is radio, and so we do we do sure. move on. But here, I want to. Uh, up next is a guy named Dr. John uh, Izzo, and he's the author of The Five Thieves of Happiness. And I'm going to ask him what advice he might give to someone like you about happiness. Doesn't sound like you have much of an issue with happiness, but you know, you're not the only one, unfortunately, in the world who has been sexually assaulted. And, you, you know, you deal with your own demons the way you've dealt with them, but other people deal with them differently. And and uh, I'd love to know what John Izzo has to say about your story. So that's what's coming up next. Uh, Maggie, what a pleasure. Thank you. On behalf of Paul, who loves you, thank yeah. you. I, I don't know how else to say thank you other than just saying thank you. You sound like you're a pretty cut and dried kind of girl, so just take my thank you, okay? <laughs> sure. Thank you. <laughs> Good to chat. Thank you, Maggie. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah. Oh man, that if that doesn't uh, still drives me nuts. The the they the whole well God was there thing. Okay, and he was watching. Now I don't ex- see this is there's so much theology behind this. How interactive is God? If God is real, how does he interact with us? And what does he save us from? What does he not save us from? We give credit to God, right? Don't think. He had anything to do with it. We blame God for stuff I don't think he had anything to do with. A lot of uh, there are a lot of folks out there that think, well, okay, there is a God, but he spun it and split, right? Spin the earth, created, boom, and then I'm out of here. And Drop now, the mic. Now he's hanging out with L. Ron Hubbard or something, you know. <laughs> oh, so much to process there. Okay, a short break. We'll be right back. Higher Ground Cafe in beautiful Bell Fountain. Come for the coffee. Stay for the nature. 